The Start On Demand. On demand. Teachers can now get their vaccine in North Dakota. We have a lot to discuss on that this morning. As we all know, it is super dry out there, and that has led to the busiest start to the wildfire season for the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service in years. East India Company, wonderful restaurant in Winnipeg, is directing a portion of its revenue to an effort to purchase oxygen concentrators, which are so desperately needed in India. And we had some fun talking about cookies because there's a really unique collaboration happening at High Tea Bakery. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. This is the Friday, April 30th podcast for The Start. My mouse is being weird. Bah, 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 bah. There, is that, does that work for you, Forte? Yeah, that works. My mouse still okay. is, isn't working. All right. I guess we have no Fozzie today, and we'll figure out what's going on with Jeff Fortier's mouse. Good morning. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and we promise, we promise, we don't want to scare anybody with images of geysers of blood shooting out of arms. <laughs> this is going to be a, a needle-free zone today, Loren. We don't want to, we don't want to fearmonger. We don't want to scare anybody. Uh, have you ever had a vaccine or? needle and seen blood come out of your arm no like i know they put i was i'm genuinely asking this question i'm I'm, we're asking it this morning because of course we've been talking about a bit of this vaccine hesitancy that some people have been feeling in manitoba and we talked particularly about how folks were feeling some folks were feeling in southern manitoba where in some communities like stanley the vaccine uptick is as low as i think six to seven percent and so the premier was asked yesterday about what we can do to get more people taking vaccines and he ba- one of his suggestions was the media needs to stop showing images of needles going into arms and the blood coming out and um yeah there might be people who are squeamish about needles so let us know but i genuinely don't think i've ever seen blood come out of an arm greg you was that your experience i'm getting my vaccine today by the way so i'll let oh, you yeah! know That's i'll right. let you know yeah maybe maybe i'll be passing out from the blood loss <laughs> i uh... I'm not trying to be like a jerk about this. I, I, a I genuine know you're not question. trying to be flippant I'm not, in I'm any way. I'm not trying to be flippant in any way about this. I, I, it's, there's people it, making some hard decisions right now about, about vaccines. I understand that. But that, that comment yesterday saying to media needs to stop, stop showing needles going into arms. Is that really what's stopping people from going to get the vaccine? And seriously, blood, does it come out? Okay. I don't know. But it's absurd to suggest that any media image has shown that. If there is one, please send it to us, 780-6868, gmac at cjob.com, brett at cjob.com, mcnab at cjob.com. We would love to see this because I've not seen it. I had my vaccination seven days ago, and I didn't even realize the needle had gone into my arm. I was visiting with ryan chan over exchange pharmacy as we were preparing uh, to do the vaccination and we were chit-chatting about a bunch of different things and i said so are we going to do this he said oh i did it like two minutes ago i didn't even realize that he had done it so i didn't have a band-aid i didn't have a cotton swab i didn't have anything uh, to nothing required to seal my wound 
after the vaccination. So I, I don't understand this assessment from the premier. And uh, I think it's absolutely bizarre. Now, needles, Brett, yes, there are lots of mm-hmm. people who are afraid of needles. But I think, and I can, I'm prepared to be corrected on this. I think any of the conversations we've had over the last couple of weeks would suggest that the more people, the more variety of different people that we see, whether it be in traditional media or social media, Mm -hmm. getting this vaccine, that sort of stigma seems to be wearing off for people. His words, I just want to go over his words were that, you know, they're working on advertising campaigns and all sorts of different messaging to get people to to try to encourage people to take the vaccine. But then he went on to say, I'll be blunt basically every night now when I have the opportunity to watch a TV broadcast, I see a needle going into someone's arm. If you'd like to stop scaring people, stop showing the needle going into everybody's arm and the blood coming out. It doesn't really help. So let us know what you think. Has that been something that's turned you away from watching and then turned you away from getting the vaccine. Yeah, I, I had a conversation last, or I, was it, when did I get my vaccine? Was it last Monday, I guess? And I talked to my buddy and he said he was going the next day. And he said, I'm not really looking forward to this. And I thought, oh, are we about to have an interesting conversation? I thought maybe he had some hesitancy about the vaccine. I said, well, what's, uh, what's on your mind? And he said, I just don't like needles. And I thought, oh, okay. But he was, and he was actually hoping that they were going to give out uh, lolly, lollipops <laughs> afterward. Uh, and he was a little sad when he didn't get a lollipop. But, yeah, a lot of people are squeamish. I, I'm not, I don't fear the needle, but even I don't look at it. Like, I don't, uh, me too. I don't, I don't, you know, just to know that a foreign object it's about to puncture my skin is not something I particularly enjoy, but I like the flu shot. It happens so quick. You don't even know, like, I don't even know that it's happened. This one, I, I could feel it for a, a second or so, but it wasn't a big deal for me. But I know that the needle is something that a lot of people f- actually fear, but I have never seen an image of blood shooting out of an arm or even coming out. And I think like I had uh, just a tiny, tiny bandaid, like the size of a thumbnail. And uh, that's all that was needed. So it was a clean, clean shot for me, Greg. Well, um, anyway, there's lots of ways to approach this. The conversation needs to continue because plain and simply, if we're all going to be able to experience and enjoy many of the things that we're looking forward to over the next several months and get to that herd immunity, that critical mass of people that have the vaccine, we are going to clearly need to convince some people that are on the fence. There are obviously people on the other side of the fence on this thing that you may never, ever convince to take the vaccine. But we have to figure out a way to get people who are wishy-washy, who are in that gray area about will I or won't I, we have to convince them to get this vaccine or things. It, it will be a slower road to normal, shall I say. We would love to hear from teachers this morning to find out if any are planning a trip south of the border this weekend to get the vaccine. Teachers who live in COVID hot zones, Brett, are are, are priority areas identified by the province or are, are already eligible for the vaccine here at home. But for those who don't live in those designated areas, there's now another option. Global's Brittany Greenslade explains. Learning about the alphabet then? Yes! Premier Brian Pallister says the province is adding an additional avenue of vaccine availability meant to help get teachers immunized faster. 
but in North Dakota instead of Manitoba. Although there's a surplus of demand here, there's no surplus of vaccines. And so uh, having the ability to have the partnership with North Dakota is very valuable here. And we all understand that we have an education system that we have to protect. U.S. federal supply rule states they can't distribute their allotments across the border, so the province is looking at access points at Emerson and the Peace Gardens. It would require teachers to immediately cross back into Canada after getting jabbed. The Premier says they will be exempt from a two-week isolation. Remembering that the way this will work is that the uh, the uh, person will go to the border, across, get a vaccine and must come immediately back. They're not going shopping in Grand Forks. Pallister says they're looking at booking weekend availabilities to avoid teachers needing time off. But the plan isn't sitting well with the Manitoba Teachers Society. Band-Aid solution to a problem that, that, that we've been talking about for, for a number of weeks. MTS says this would only help teachers who live close to the border and it creates barriers for others. You need a car, you need a passport, you need the right answers to all the questions you're going to get asked at the border. You get your shot. If there's a reaction to the shot, I suppose it means a hospital uh, stay in North Dakota, and that's going to weigh on the minds of, of some folks as to who picks up the bill for that. The Premier says this is not meant to be a perfect solution, but instead an additional resource that he says could particularly help younger teachers who may not be eligible as quickly. This is an extra feature. I, I don't think uh, most of my friends that are teachers don't, aren't going to react to this as a hardship, Josh. You know, the chance to go and get a vaccine uh, 50 miles away is uh, a chance that a lot of people will want to take. But MTS says this is too little, too late. And to keep teachers and students safe now, the only move is to go remote. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. Yeah, to go remote just hours before the premier made that announcement about the North Dakota possibility, the union representing teachers, MTS, they actually sent out that news release saying that they wanted the province to hit pause on the school year in Winnipeg, home to the bulk of COVID cases in Manitoba. MTS was saying it wants the province to move Winnipeg schools to remote learning for a few weeks so that all the teachers in Winnipeg, at least at first, could get vaccinated. We do know Dr. Rusin has repeatedly said most of the transmission isn't happening in schools. It's happening in communities and at those gatherings. So they're trying to keep schools open for as long as possible. The premier said that again yesterday, the goals to keep schools open. And if, if teachers are, are worried, here's the option, go to North Dakota. So I, I'd love to know what teachers out there are thinking. I saw lots of reaction on social media yesterday. Are, are they truly worried about COVID and therefore want to get vaccinated as quickly as possible? Would they go to North Dakota? MTS was asked yesterday, how many teachers have contracted COVID over the last year? And they told Brittany Greenslade, Global's reporter, that they don't track that information. So I'm, I'm not sure how many teachers have been impacted with COVID, but we know there are some and we know students have been too, Greg. So what was your reaction when you first heard this? Good idea or was it a sigh? It was a sigh, but I I do understand somewhat what's going on here. You know, my first reaction with regard to the plan to vaccinate truckers in North Dakota was sort of like, oh, that's kind of embarrassing. But then, you know, you take some time and you digest it and you take a a hard look at, at why they're doing it and the way that they're doing it. And it was Chris Aubrey that we spoke to, uh, who's a trucker. And when he described the process, hey, that made complete sense. Get the vaccine to where the people are. This is sort of the reverse of that. 
We need to get the vaccinations happening where people are telling people to take a 50 mile or 60 mile trip across the border. I think a lot of us think of North Dakota as being two and a half hours away because that's how long it often takes you to get to Grand Forks from the time you leave your house to the time you get to your hotel. Uh, but really across the line, it is only about an hour but I don't know. It's a mixed message to me, Brett, because you're telling me on one hand, I'm important enough to make this and create this new procedure and this new opportunity, but I'm not important enough to make sure that I can get it in my own backyard a handful of blocks away or at least in, in the city where I live. Question of the day is... Pertaining to this, teachers and child care providers will be able to drive south of the border to get their shot. Would you go to North Dakota to get a vaccine? 63% say no, 37% say yes. You can cast your vote, cjob.com. We'll put that up on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB for Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. But yeah, the majority so far, Loren, saying no. Yeah, I just it it it's a hard message to understand because I get he's saying this is for people who are living closer to the border and all the rest, but then you're still not prioritizing teachers because it's just for the ones who live within a decent driving distance to the right. border. What about ones in you know Dauphin or or folks in the interlake? I mean, so they're not a priority, right? So if you're out if you're a teacher out there, you're thinking so some of us. Yeah, it's a mixed message. Priority. I just it, it's hard. It's a hard one to take. I appreciate that there would be frustration here. Mackling McGarry McNabb right now we want to talk about Me want cookie Coming up at 8.37 we're going to speak with our friend Dr. Iman Abdurrahman He is a psychologist of course We speak to him about mental health issues And as well about diversity issues And he has teamed up with High Tea Bakery For some special cookies to that will be released just in time for the end of Ramadan. So we're going to get information on that at 8.37. But right now we want to talk about cookies for your chance to win. $20 gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza. Tell us a story about cookies on the text, 204-780-6868. What's your favorite cookie and why? Do you have a cookie that you hate? Do you have a misadventure from trying to bake cookies and you failed? I don't know. Tell us a story about cookies for your chance to win. Let's go around the horn here. Jeff Fortier... I know you like cookies. Let's start with you, sir. Oh, cookies are so good. I, you know, I get myself in trouble, though, because here at work, during my break, I'll go for a walk, and I'm taking a walk, and downstairs, there's a Cookies by George. Oh, yes. And so I'm going for this walk thinking I'm doing a great thing, I'm being healthy, and then I walk by Cookies by George, and I can just smell it, and I have to stop. It's just, it, it gets me every time, and I buy cookies, and... Then I feel so ashamed after. <laughs> I, bu- I bumped into Lisa Dutton once, uh, anchor for Global Winnipeg on the 6 p.m. newscast, and uh, she was she was, had like a bag of I don't know four cookies by George, and she just sheepishly said, "Sometimes I go to Cookies by George and get myself like uh, four or five cookies, and then I." Um, Eat them. <laughs> what else would you do with them? Well, you feel so bank? guilty. You feel so oh. guilty, though. <laughs> They're so good, though. I know. I can help myself. Poitras? It's like your first love. Like when you're a little kid, like your first love is a cookie. It really is. And I, I'm just like, give me a good old classic chocolate chip. That's usually my favorite. Maybe I'll go a little bit into the white chocolate macadamia nut. I love that cookie as well. Uh, but uh, you talk about High Tea Bakery. I, I, they have great imperial cookies there as well that are right up there. 
and uh, I, I I was over at my fiance's house, and and uh, her mom had had about I don't know six of them, and they, it was at a um, it was at a um, it was for a fundraiser, so they were a lot more money than they normally would be because I think it was three bucks, but it was to raise money. And so, and I had no idea about that. So I, I had, whoa, look, this is a cookie's delicious. I had one, then I had another one, then I had another one, and I had no idea. And uh, then I get a Snapchat later on that day. There's exclamation, what's going on? Where are my cookies? He ate all my cookies. And so then I had to, I had to go to High Tea Bakery and buy her a dozen to make up for uh, those cookies that just, I don't know what happened to them. They just disappeared. <laughs> Fell into the a black hole or something. I'm not sure what happened to them. But. <laughs> uh, Jeff Braun. My only real strong feeling about cookies is that I cannot stand it when people put nuts in the cookies. Like, nuts are not dessert. They're, no! They're, they're pu- punishment of some sort. I don't mind them, but <laughs> what it, are you talking I don't about? think of them as dessert. They're... they're <laughs> An appetizer or something. I don't know. But <laughs> leave them out of the cookies. Oh, I, I'll, no. I'll take a raisin in a cookie before oh, a roll. Oh, God, no. Uh, oatmeal, oatmeal raisin's pretty good. No. no. It, it's You always wish that it's a chocolate chip. Don't lie to me. You'd rather that true. raisin be a chocolate chip every single time. <laughs> My mom used to make raisin cookies, and I really liked them. But I hated when she made them with nuts. She'd say, hey, I made mm. raisin cookies. And I'd say, well, there are nuts in there. So I, why? I, I don't want them. I don't want them. <laughs> What's anti- why are you guys anti-nut? <laughs> well, I want to know why we're talking about cookies when we should be talking about cookie dough. Yes. Talk. Speak. Here's I'm just, your chance. <laughs> I just, that, that, I hear Cameron on the chocolate chip front. That's just the go-to in our house. And the kids get super excited. They always want to help out because then they just can eat the cookie dough. And then I feel like as soon as the cookies are made, we all just look at them and are like, oh, it's not as, I mean, it's good. But <laughs> I, I know. I totally agree with that. cookie dough. <laughs> I would like, do that as a kid all the time. You just pull out of the oven. I'm like, does anybody want the cookies? They're like, no. I'm like, what? Like, what do we make these for? You know why we made them. We made them for the dough. Now, yeah. is it true that you can get worms from eating cookie dough because of the raw egg or something like that? Or no. is that just You're not supposed to, but well, I mean, come on. Who's, who's listening to that one? Honestly, I just want to go buy a tube of, of the cookie dough and just eat it right from the tube. Hey, cookie dough is popular, man. That's why there's cookie dough ice cream. Uh, I know that uh, uh, sweet, oh, what's her name? Is it Sweet C, the, the bakery in Transcona? She's got some yes. cookie dough stuff. Uh, yeah. So what about you, Mackling? Well, my kids actually do make cookie dough. I'll hear them up in the kitchen. They're famous, famous only in this house, for their inability to <laughs> boil the craft uh, macaroni and not have it stick to the bottom of the pot. It's a disaster when they make craft dinner, but they eat it anyway. And every once in a while, I'll hear them in the kitchen. What are you guys doing in there? I'm making cookie dough. Oh, oh are you baking? I don't uh, uh, No, They just sit and they eat the cookie dough. So I think this has become a trend. Um, I don't want to speak for other teenagers or other parents of teenagers, but it is in our house. And do you remember sitting down, you know, all our parents, I think back at a certain time had those, uh, the egg beater with the, with those metal things that used to whip things up when they were baking and then licking those mm-hmm just intricately obviously you, you, you took them off the machine and made sure the machine was was off at the very least <laughs> before you stuck your tongue in there but uh that was obviously a, a highlight but uh it's that balance right between the crispy cookie and the mm-hmm. soft cookie i don't like the hard necessarily cookies like it's nice around the edge but I, I, there's nothing like a soft gooey chocolate chip or ginger snap 
or Imperial mm. cookies. I bought some the other day and Cam, they were not from high tea bakery. And that's exactly where I should have gone. Cause the frosting was hard as a rock and it just took away the satisfaction of that Imperial cookie. There is that balance there in terms of the firmness of the icing and the cookie itself. It's, it's such a science. There, it's textural perfection. So here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. We need you to text us about textural perfection while telling us a story about cookies. Before we get some reaction on the teacher discussion we've been having this morning, just want to quickly read this text from Candice. Actually, she won a prize earlier this week. Candice texting us about cookies. We're asking you to tell us a story about cookies. And Candace, uh, th this, this ties into something Loren was talking about earlier. Candace says, I am known in my family as always trying the newest food craze out there. One evening, my husband helped himself to a bowl of ice cream, in quotations, ice cream. I was busy doing something that needed my attention, so I didn't look at what he was eating. He started complaining about the ice cream and how weird it was, and I kept telling him to just eat it, stop complaining. So he kept eating it and complaining with every spoonful. I finally looked at what he was eating and started laughing so hard I was crying. He was eating a dish, Loren, of cookie dough. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, great I was story. cleaning my freezer the other day and I came across a box or a tube of that cookie dough. You know some of the schools yeah. do that for a, for a fundraiser. I bought it from Julie Buckingham, I think, back in the last century. So uh, that had to go into still the garbage. Good. Oh, no. <laughs> it's you still good? Oh, it. great. You oh, I would. I, honestly, I don't listen to any freezer rules. <laughs> and, I put it in the oven. I eat it. If it tastes terrible, I throw it out. But you got to give it a shot. Right. I like that. I like that. Give it its chance to be a cookie, Greg. <laughs> okay. And now as well, we're also getting lots of feedback this morning on teachers, Loren. Yeah, and this plan uh, that the Premier announced yesterday that would allow teachers, particularly those in the border communities, to go to North Dakota to get a vaccine, kind of like the truckers who are crossing back and forth, except for the truckers are crossing back and forth already. So we're getting mixed feedback on this. One listener saying, hey, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, go get the vaccine. While another texted to say like, hey, I'm a 38-year-old teacher. I definitely want my vaccine. However, I'm honestly not even interested in this North Dakota opportunity. Let them have vaccines. If I get vaccinated at the convention center, I get my parking validated. But if I drive several hours to North Dakota, I have to do it on my own dime in a vehicle I may or may not have cross an international border and all what? On my weekend, I have young kids. Are they allowed to come with me on this trip? What would Palliser suggest I do with them? The whole thing is so full of barriers, it reeks. And they go on to say, if teachers respond by saying, no, that's not good enough, are we going to be met with teachers were given the opportunity and they chose not to? They let us down, not Pallister. Great points. We've got some more points we'd like to make, Greg. I know you're crunching some math on the number of cases in schools right now, and, and we'll bring that to our listeners in our next segment. April isn't over yet, and already it is the busiest month for wildfires that Winnipeg has seen in several years. Yeah, the number is 39. That's how many times Winnipeg firefighters have been called out to a wildfire in and around the city this month. 66 times so far this year. And so that makes this the busiest season, at least going back to 2017. And that's only because we just have the data going back that far right now. It might turn out to be one of the busiest seasons on record. Mark Richard is the assistant chief for WFPS and joins us now. Good morning, Mark. 
Hey, good morning. We know it's dry. Uh, we now have the numbers, but what are your crews seeing on the ground in terms of the fire threat that's out there and how fast they might be spreading in these dry conditions? Well, things are very dry, and when it's very dry, the risk is always elevated. And so what we need to do is to remind people that are living on the edge of forested areas or within forested areas or on the edge of large fields to make their properties more resilient against the impact of these fires. What can we do, Mark, if we live on those, as you say, on the edges of those grasslands or those forested areas? Uh, if, if we're visiting or if we live there, uh, what should we be keeping in mind? Well, these fires travel quite quickly, so the way to deal with them is to be prepared ahead of time. You want to make sure that you thin and prune the vegetation around your house. Don't let your grass get really long. Clean up the brush, grass, leaves, and debris, especially against your house in the beds and underneath your deck and porches. Uh, You want to think about using fire-resistant plants in your yards. Uh, Avoid the combustible plants such as cedar and pines that accumulate dead plant material or have papery bark. And try to keep everything watered and and green. Store your firewood at least 10 metres away from structures. You don't want to store your firewood right up against things. If it catches fire easily, it will then communicate that fire to a building or a uh, garage. And... Think about how you use your residential fire pits. You don't need a permit for a residential fire pit, but you do need to follow the rules. Got to make sure you use a spark arrestor. Got to make sure the wind is below 25 kilometers an hour. Got to supervise that fire, and you got to have a means to extinguish it readily at hand. What about trains? How much of a risk are trains in terms of uh, sparking some of these fires? Well, the railway works hard to uh, manage that risk, but every now and then you do get a brake that uh, locks up on a train and it does throw sparks as it travels down the tracks. And when it hits those areas of long grass, it can ignite the fires. So in the spring and the fall, those, those are also risks. And we do regularly see uh, those fires every year. We see wildfires every year for all sorts of reasons. Also, spring is a time when we unfortunately see more arsons. What are you seeing this year, Mark, when it comes to people who are intentionally setting fires and and where the impact is? Well, again, people start cleaning up their yard. They start putting out their their, uh, yard waste along their fences, along the lanes. They clean out their houses. They put furniture for pickup along the lanes. People move at the end of the month and they put a lot of stuff out along the lanes and all that stuff attracts the attention of opportunistic fire setters. So we need to not be putting those things out until the last minute, until they're going to get picked up or we need to make arrangements to take that stuff to the dump ourselves. Property owners need to take responsibility for their property and do what they can to make their property more resilient against fire but, and also to not provide the opportunity for people to be setting these sort of fires. Mark, you did a tremendous job of laying out what we need to be doing when we're using our fire pits. Can you just remind us of the uh, limitations and, and where fire pits need to go in terms of their correlation and distance but to other buildings and structures, please? Well, re- residential fire pits, you never want to use them underneath anything that's com- overhanging. So you want your residential fire pit away from any overhanging wires, any overhanging trees. It has to be at least 10 feet away from combustible structures. How quickly can a, you know, if somebody flicks a cigarette, and I confess, when I was when I was a smoker, I used to flick the flick the cigarette butt sometimes. But how quickly can one that is not out, that isn't you know hasn't gone out yet, how quickly can that start a fire? 
it depends on the on the, the circumstances. It depends on how dry things are. It depends on the material that it lands in, and it depends upon the wind conditions. So it can happen quite quickly, or it can smolder for quite some time and then pick up l- hours later when the conditions become more favorable to the fire spreading. Um, at my home itself, I, my daughter, she extinguished a cigarette in a uh, flower pot, and the peat moss started to smolder. And when I walked outside an hour later, I could smell the smoke, and I found the fire. So we really need to be disposing of our cigarettes appropriately in an ashtray. Don't flick them into the grass. Don't flick them down beside your deck. Don't throw them away. Put them in the ashtray. Mark, yeah, Richard. Oh, go ahead, Loren. Sorry. No, I was going to say, it all sounds like obvious advice, Mark, but if it was obvious, you wouldn't be responding to this many fires uh, this time this year. Yeah. Well, you know what is, is people need to be mindful, especially in the spring and the fall when things are so dry. You take a look at the river levels right now. Things are very dry. And if we don't get a fair bit of rain in the near future, we're, we're going to continue to have a big problem. 39 fires already for April is a big number. In March 2000, or in the spring in 2018, we had to declare a fire ban and we only had 28 of these fires in April. So right now things are shaping up to be very busy for us. Mark Richard, the Assistant Chief for the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. Thanks for everything you guys are doing. I know this is a busy and uh, uh, difficult time, so we appreciate everything you do. Well, thank you very much for doing your bit to help spread the message and so that we can help avoid these fires. Make sure you keep texting us about cookies, 204-780-6868. Tell us a story about cookies. Like, here, I'll tell you my story. I have to be careful where I eat Oreo cookies. This is so dumb. Because <laughs> the um, the enamel on one of my front teeth, I guess it's just, you know, it's worn down over the years. So I have like this weird little spot where like Oreo cookie crumbs will embed themselves in my tooth. So I've got this big black dot on my tooth and I can't get it out unless I've got a toothbrush. So Come on. Oh, hello there, doggy. So yeah. Good morning, Moose. <laughs> so if I eat Oreo cookies in public, I have to make sure that I either have access to a toothbrush or like a napkin or something that I can feverishly scrape against my tooth. So yeah. That then that's it actually is kind of a good thing cuz it 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 it's like uh it it helps protect me from myself because yeah. when I eat Oreo cookies, I can't just have one. I have to have like 12. Maybe that would be the key for, you know, for struggling with weight in this pandemic or just weight in general in life. If it literally left the food on your face, would you eat less? Like if it it took an hour for the chips to like dissolve off your skin or something, or like if I ate chips, there was some sort of obvious and instant response, you know, like a greasy face or like a pimple pops out right away. Would that stop me? I think the answer is still no, but... (laughs) <laughs> Probably no, I would think. But, you know, I don't know. Do you guys remember this? Uh, the dentist used to come to my school when I was in elementary. Yes. And they had these little pink or red pills. It was almost like a dye. And you could take it and it would show you if you, you know, you said, oh, I brushed my teeth this morning. And take it and it would show you where you missed. And I don't know if it was just for exhibit purposes in order to highlight the fact that most of us didn't do a very good job of brushing our teeth. What if we had something like that, that, that you, you took at the beginning and then when, once you had too much sweet stuff, 
it, it started to give you a toothache. Do, do we need something that Pavlovian in order to uh, have a stop eating sweet stuff when we really don't want to be? I don't know. I'm trying to think outside the box here. Well, you know what happened to me, actually, when I was, I guess, around 20 years old, I had my wisdom teeth out. And um, a couple of them were, they took some work to, to get them out. I actually woke up during the surgery. Oh, no, you uh, I did. I woke oh, up and there was this team of, of people, you know, it, it felt like they had a, ra- a railroad spike and a sledgehammer in my oh. mouth. Uh, thankfully, I was able to go back to sleep. But anyway, it took some work to, to break some of those teeth out of there. But uh, there was one hole, like uh, where they, they stitched them up, but one of them just kind of left this gaping hole at the back of my mouth and I had to carry around this little it looked like a syringe it was basically just a a water gun Um, but I had to carry it around with me because every time I would eat the food would get impacted in there and it honestly it took me longer to clean it out than it did to eat so I just stopped eating for the most part and I ended up losing like 30 pounds. It actually ended up being not healthy uh, in the long run. I was happy with the, some of the weight loss, but I ended up losing too much weight. But there's a way. <laughs> Get a tooth pulled. <laughs> <laughs> so if you need some help <laughs> to slow down your snacking, get a tooth pulled. So keep your cookie stories coming. 204-780-6868. By the way, uh, Loren, have you had your wisdom teeth pulled? Oh, yeah. All, f- all f- was it four of them? I guess yeah. it would be right. Yeah, all four back. I think when I was about twenty as well, um, I I really that was a super painful experience, largely because I didn't go under for it. Oh, you know, some people do and some people don't, and so I could you could hear the noise of them extracting your teeth, like that crunching <laughs> noise. And yeah. so while I was laying there at night in pain with like your chin throbbing and swollen, you could hear that sound too, and so that really. That really bugged me. Oh, haunting memories of the wisdom. It is. If you got Thanks a wisdom. for taking me down. I thought we were we agreed like in our text chain. We're going to talk about positive things yeah. in this segment because it's been a dark, dark, <laughs> dark time. <laughs> And now I've gone to the dark, dark wisdom teeth time. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to lead us down that path. <laughs> Listen to this text message at 204-780-6868 on the subject of cookies. Listener says, my son lives in Edmonton. One summer, he asked if I would bake a batch of his favorite chocolate chip cookies. Catch was, he wanted me to take a bite out of one of the cookies and send him a picture. That Christmas, he came home and was talking to his cousins about a tattoo he had gotten. It was one of the cookie with my birth date and name over his heart. I started crying immediately. That is a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that. And we're talking about cookies this morning because it's a great way to bring people together. We want cookies. <laughs> Our friend Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman is a psychologist and champion for diversity in Winnipeg. And he's got some exciting news for us that connects those dots with Cookies Greg. No, only Raymond and his team from Clinic Psychology Manitoba could come up with something like this. They're behind an initiative called Winnipeg Love, which encourages us to celebrate everything. So they've teamed up with High Tea Bakery to do just that, Loren. And both uh, Raymond and Belinda Beasold are here to tell us more. Belinda from High Tea Bakery. Good morning, Belinda. 
Good morning. Thanks for having us. Well, thanks for taking the time and welcome back, Raymond. Always great to bring you on. Uh, What's the deal with these cookies? Who doesn't love talking cookies, by the way, at the end of the week? Well, you know, um, Belinda has actually been doing this stuff for quite some time where she's been acknowledging different important dates. And uh, when I saw that she had posted some Ramadan cookies, uh, I approached her to kind of join us on this concept of celebrating everything. And Belinda graciously and excitingly agreed. Belinda, I confess to dreaming about your imperial cookies uh, from time (laughs) to time. I have to ask you, what kind of cookies will these be? And it sounds like maybe you were were about to to start a little story about perhaps uh, the fact that you've been doing this uh, without Raymond's blessing and and, uh, coercion uh, for some time now. Oh, we're all about celebrating everything. So, yeah, we've been doing it for a long time. Um, and I was so excited when Raymond contacted me on Instagram because we, we get a lot of requests, of course, and you can't uh, partner with everybody, even though they're great causes. But this is one I'm just so passionate about. We just absolutely love the idea of celebrating through food, through cookies, absolutely everything that makes us different and unique. And I just think that's it's such a wonderful concept and you know, we've, we've been doing them for so long. Um, it was just a perfect fit. Raymond, Ramadan started on April 12th and ends May 12th. Uh, by the way, Ramadan Mubarak to you, sir. Uh, can, can you remind us maybe just give us a snapshot for those who might not be familiar. What is Ramadan all about? So Ramadan is a month, uh, where people who observe Islam fast, from sunrise to sunset, and so that's a fasting of, of food, but also of being mindful about uh, one's temper, one's basic needs, and trying to have some greater control over that. So there's two purposes. The first purpose is to gain some empathy, because charity is a big part of the month. The, the end of the month is celebrated with Eid al-Fitr, or the celebration of charity. So if you have some greater sense of empathy of what people who go without feel like, you're more likely to contribute. Uh, but the other piece is, and I kind of joke with my friends, I call it ninja training, right? It's uh, it's, uh, it's uh, gaining a sense of control over one's needs, uh, mastery of mind over body. So with that gaining control of your needs, uh, would cookies be permitted as long as it's after <laughs> sunset or before sunrise, maybe in the middle of night? Yeah, any, any time before or after uh, sunrise and sunset. And actually, I've been breaking my fast with Belinda's cookies, so... Oh, that's how you he celebrate has. at the end of the day? You grab your cookie, Raymond? That's what I did. <laughs> They're really fancy Ramadan cookies. We don't have any statistics to back this up, but I suspect a lot of uh, cookies are consumed between sunset and sunrise on a regular <laughs> basis. So uh, I know in this house that that's probably the way it goes. So Belinda, what kind of cookies have you been making? Can you uh, tantalize us, have our taste buds dancing, so to speak? So for the um, the Ramadan and the Eid Mubarak cookies that we'll be doing coming up, they're all our sugar cookies. Um, although depending on the holiday, we also sometimes incorporate the mini imperials too. For example, at lunar for Lunar New Year, we do the little coins for um, for that celebration. Um, we, we'll do a mix of both depending on the holidays. And have people already started placing orders for these cookies, Belinda? Or can they place orders for them yet? They can. So the Ramadan 
are no longer in the counter because we've now switched over to the Mother's Day cookies um, just for the next week. But we're taking orders still for the Eid Mubarak cookies. Um, we are sold out already on the 11th of 12th of May, but you can still order for the Thursday, Friday um, if you want to pick up for those days through our website, which is HaitiBakery.com. Raymond, before we let you go, you talk about this being a celebration. Some people might look at, you know, the idea of fasting and thinking that's not a celebration, but it's really about where you get at the end of this journey. So tell us what you look forward to when it comes to May 12th and the celebration that you will have with with family and friends, even if it's virtually. Well, there'll be food and uh, definitely (laughs) some high tea cookies uh, on the table. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think, you know, it definitely is an observance, but I have to say that Every day you break your fast, the simplest things seem quite celebratory, like, a, you know, a glass of water has great flavor all of a sudden. So you, you, you gain a sense of appreciation every day of the things that you normally take for granted. At the, at the end of the month, um, it's typically time for family, although many things won't necessarily be working the same way. But it, it'll be a chance to celebrate, I think, uh, a coming together of values with family, uh, gifts. It, it's, in many ways, the celebrations are very much like most celebrations for cultures around the world. A lot of food, gifts, and family. Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, thank you so much, as always, for the time, sir. Very much appreciated. Thank you. And Belinda Bijou from Hyde Tea Bakery, thank you as well. We love talking to you, and we love all of the stuff that you, you serve at the bakery. Oh, thanks so much. You have a great weekend. By now, you likely know that India's medical system has been completely overwhelmed as that country battles a massive outbreak of COVID-19 cases. Yeah, and if possible, Brett, it's going from bad to worse as all vaccination centers in India's financial capital of Mumbai will be shut for three days. That closure began today due to a shortage of vaccines, according to authorities, as the country posted another record daily rise in coronavirus cases. India reported 386,452 new cases, while deaths from COVID-19 jumped by 3,498. That's just over the past 24 hours, according to health ministry data. Medical experts believe actual COVID-19 numbers in the world's second most populous nation may be five to 10 times greater than the official tally. People are dying in the back of ambulances, on gurneys and hospital parking lots, in their homes at an unprecedented rate. Many are dying because there is a shortage, Loren, of all things oxygen. It's also hard to hear, but this next story should hopefully help warm your hearts because there's two Winnipeggers who are stepping in to do what they can to try to help. Sachit Mehra is the owner of East India Company, Pabin Eatery, and also joining us this morning is Anil Sedha. Anil has started a fund to purchase oxygen concentrators for India. Good morning, Anil. Good morning. Uh, We'll start with you if you can. I should say good morning, Satch, as well. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. We don't want to be rude. Got to say hello to everybody. But Anil, it's so great what you're doing. Tell us about the equipment that you're working to purchase. What is it that you're specifically trying to get? Yeah, thanks very much for having us here. Uh, the goal right now is to just get oxygen concentrators that are five liters because the larger ones are out of stock. 
and uh, we are sending these to the Indian Red Cross, but uh, now we will also aim to send them to hospitals and smaller clinics because there's an overwhelming level of request coming in from uh, other hospitals and clinics and even individuals who are desperately seeking oxygen help. Satch, what are you doing to aid in this effort? Well, you know, it was it was funny. As this rolled out, I mean, we've got to keep in mind this is all over the last six days. And it was sheer panic because as the first reports of it started coming out and it started getting larger and larger, I talked to my mom and I'm like, is this real? Is this really happening? And we put some calls into India uh, back home. We have a bit of family. And they were describing this situation there on the ground. And it was. And we looked around, you know, what can we do? And thankfully, uh, uh, Neil and Mr. Seda, you know, launched this program uh, with, uh, with the GoFundMe. And we're like, this is perfect. Uh, getting the oxygen concentrators out there in the hands uh, through the Indian Red Cross was the best and fastest thing we could do immediately uh, to help four, you know, almost 400,000 cases uh, on a daily basis for five days rolling is unimaginable. Obviously, this is uh, tough for you to be uh, dealing with right now. So our, our heart goes out to both of you and the entire Indo-Canadian community. Uh, Anil, how quickly can this equipment get to where it's needed? And can you give us an idea of how much each of these units cost? Yeah, so each of these units units cost on an average around four, uh, 1400 to $1,500 U.S., we're getting them directly from the U.S. because it's very hard to procure them in Canada, and there are establishment and licensing regulations in place. Um, they take about a week to get there because we are sending them through international air by DHL, and um, the previous two units that we sent uh, are already in Germany right now. Hopefully, in a day, they should be in India. We've got five more units ready to go, one shipping out uh, uh, shortly this morning, and uh, the remaining four, we are arranging to send them to a hospital directly. So they should all also ship out today and we are aiming to get more um, we are very thankful to everyone who's contributed so far the situation is very dire um, i was reading today morning that uh, one of the large, uh, news anchors of uh, a largest media company has passed away today so this this disease this pandemic doesn't look at who you are what level of resources you have it's just affecting everyone so our goal is just to try and help as many people as possible and uh, we've reached our original goals, uh, uh, highly appreciative of Sachet and uh, effort of others, because uh, one thing that I've always seen is Sachet always stands up in the community whenever we need. So we are very thankful to East India Company for that. Uh, and, and we do need help from all Winnipeggers and Canadians uh, to reach out and help as much as possible. So, Satch, your tweet last night and your Instagram post talked about the fact that for the foreseeable future, a portion of sales at your restaurant will go towards this fundraising effort to bring oxygen concentrators to India. I'm, I'm curious what's driving you to do this, because it hasn't been an easy year for restaurants either. And so is it the images you're seeing, a, a personal story, um, people you may know? or I know you always step up at these times, but what's tugging at your heartstrings right now? Because it's so awful to watch what's going on over there. It's heartbreaking. All you have to do is uh, talk to anybody in the community, um, watch a news report, um, see what's going on. Let's be very clear. It has been terrible around the world, certainly as Canadians. Um, we've gone through 
um, a terrible year. Um, those of us in the industry, as you just mentioned, uh, it's been very tough. I can't describe to you, uh, you know, the, the, the restaurant business over the last 14 months. Uh, it, it's been it's been crazy, but within the context of that, we're all still managing. We're getting by as difficult as it is. There's you know there, there's progress. But when you look at what's going on in India right now, it is uh, a, a crisis of humanity. There's people that are just dying in the streets. So you have crematoriums that cannot keep up um, in terms of bodies that are coming in right now. Um, it's it's absolutely heartbreaking. All you have to do is uh, check out any major news channel right now, look at a report on the ground, see what's really happening to the people out there. Um, you know, the, the, the numbers are staggering uh, when you consider them in the in the context of India and 1.5 billion people and you know 400,000 cases and again uh, you know Mr. Said I just mentioned that as well um, that's what's being reported the officially unofficial numbers are are much larger and, and certainly uh, again anecdotally what you're seeing in the news reports points to uh, a much larger crisis than really necessarily is is what's being officially reported. Um, Whatever help we can get them, whatever help anyone can do um, to help us, uh, you know, get these oxygen concerts out there again would be fantastic. Again, Mr. Seda, the India Association, the community that's rallied around the country, uh, all three of our restaurants are going to help as much as, as much as we can. And we really appreciate uh, everybody at CJOB lending a hand as well. Anil Seda and Sachit Mera from East India Company joining us live on 680 CJOB. Gentlemen, thank you very much for bringing this to our attention. It's Friday just after 9, which means it is time for our Gab with Gabby. Gabrielle Marchand, host of Global News Morning, weekdays on Global Winnipeg. Hello there, Gabby. Good morning, all, and happy Friday, happy cookie day, happy whatever you're celebrating. Now, I know you love food, you love cookies, so we got to ask you about cookies. But we, one of the things we talked about this week was late fees and or shocking charges on your bill and you say that you have some pretty extreme late fee situations with libraries. What's the story? So circa 2015, I believe 2014, 2015, I'm living in Thunder Bay working there. And I'd go to the library a lot. They had a great local library. And I was really bad at returning my books. I would read them and then naturally you should just return them. But I'd forget. I actually forgot four books in the trunk of my car. And it, it went on for a month, then two months, then three months. And they were sending me emails being like, you owe so much money on these books that I just decided to commit. I was like, OK, I guess I'm just going to buy the books at this point because it's now been six months and I'm so embarrassed to go back into this place. But what I didn't realize is that library books aren't 20 or 30 dollars. Like it's not the price of a book you would pay in a bookstore. Yeah. Uh, it cost them a lot more to buy a book. I think it was like $300 for the books in my trunk. I think they're still in my trunk. I don't get that. I've had this (laughs) fine too. I had a fine from a library that I was taking my kids to when they were younger and sort of just like an expedition in the winter to go to the library and hang out. And I was the same. And it was $45 for one children's book. And I was like, hang on, I could buy like six kids books with this. And then uh, I just... I just can't figure out the math and what's going on there. Is it like videos at video stores? It costs the video store, not that they exist anymore, but it used to cost them more to buy the DVD or the video, right? Because then mm-hmm. they're they're renting it out and profiting off it? I guess so, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Greg. I, 
Yeah, I was going to guess that might be a similar situation. First of all, I had no idea I had work with uh, that. I work with such scoff laws. <laughs> and, and I'm also looking up. The, you should the see. I got of, library books from several libraries in this house. I've got a whole room. <laughs> well, see, the, the 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 point of the library is they're supposed to house the collection. It's not supposed to be a collection of collections dispersed amongst our homes. It's supposed to be sort of a. A central repository for us oh. to sort of go. And I thought see. it was B Y O L. Bring your build your own library. Looking at the definition right now, and a library is a building or room containing collections of books, periodicals, and sometimes films and recorded materials for people to read, borrow, or refer to. I think the operative word there is borrow, not keep for yourself. Well, la di da, Loren has. <laughs> Lorena's yes. paid for those books. I want to come see them. She's b- purchased them at this point. So oh, yeah. No, I, I wrote them a check. Like, I paid for them. It's not like I just ran off with them. To be, And it's funny because when I was little, this is the sat, this is, it's not sad. It was the greatest game in the world. We used to always play librarian. I actually wanted to be a librarian. And we'd get our encyclopedias and the stamp out and then we'd make the brothers come rent the encyclopedia and stamp it and then go away for five minutes and come back and return your book. We used to play return the book too. So I don't know what my problem is. Return the book was a game. <laughs> library was the game. So you had to return the book for it to be an effective library game. Do you have the Dewey decimal system in effect at your house Loren, or what? Yeah. 97.9747H1 is where you will find that book in row X. Please bring it to me so I can effectively stamp it. <laughs> wow, look at that. You rattled that off. You must have played a lot of that game when you were a kid. Great, great game. Gabby, by the way, uh, and you don't have to answer this. Do you remember what the books were? One was called Summer Sisters, Judy Bloom, I think. And it was great book. Yeah, it was an adult. You know, it's not like the youthful Judy Bloom, it's for adults. So it's kind of spicy, actually. Some great characters in there. <laughs> yeah, they were not good friends. They were summer sisters, but they weren't kind to each other in the end. No, there was a lot of drama over shared men in that book, that's for <laughs> oh, sure. They both like the same. Yeah, we could go, we should talk about this next time. That was, I'm going to go find that book. It's great. It's in my library. I can lend it to someone if you want. I would you love to come check it out. I would love to. To check it out if it's not in my trunk. So now I know you have a penchant for Doritos in particular. I've just learned this morning jalapeno and cheddar is the go-to flavor for Gabrielle Marchand, but you must like cookies as well. Do you have a favorite? Do I ever? Oh, I have so many favorite cookies. It's hard to pick one, actually. Um, I would love to learn how to make a homemade Oreo because I love Oreos. One time I made cupcakes where there were Oreos in the bottom, and then there were Oreos in the cake and Oreos in the icing. So that was like a cake cookie. Highly recommend. Oreo, like, are, are you ever surprised by how much Oreo is slowly taking over the world? Like in, in the terms of the stuff that you can get now that's either Oreo infused or cookies and cream infused. Like it, down, it was down at the store uh, just downstairs where they did like the little, uh, you know, newsstand, whatever. And uh, they've got a cookies and cream Twix bar now. It's interesting that you mentioned world domination. I was worried about robots, but apparently I should be worried about the Oreo brand. Well, they're everywhere. Like, Loren, you can't go through a drive-thru without being seeing, like, an Oreo milkshake or yeah. an Oreo something or other. Yeah, and I don't, I got to say, I don't get that one. Like, I like an Oreo. I just don't love it. So what's your favorite cookie, Loren? It's the dough. 
The oh, of course, the cookie yes. dough, chocolate chip cookie dough. <laughs> to be honest, made by Heather Curry of Minnedosa, my best friend's mom makes the best chocolate chip cookie, and I used to beg her to make them for me when I'd come home in the summers or come home for Christmas from university or what have you. And now that I'm talking about it, I'm going to give her a shout. <laughs> Pick, picture She's retired this. now. She has time. I feel like Heather, if you're listening. Picture this. You, you do a little library, a little library out of your house. I'll sell cookie dough out of my trunk, and we're going to make a killing. <laughs> there <laughs> it those is. Those lemonade stands those little kids have out of business immediately. <laughs> what a great idea. <laughs> Gabrielle Marchand hosts Global News Morning weekdays, 6 until 9 on Global Winnipeg. Gabby, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys, so much. Happy Friday. We were talking about library books and fees because uh, both Gabby and Loren have purchased books from the library because they just had them for so long, um, which I think is good for you for buying the books, by the way. But Rudy with an interesting story on libraries. Yeah, I love this. 2002, doing a renovation on my house built in 1913. Found a children's book dated from the 1930s, I believe, City Library. After careful thought, I left it in the wall, leaving... The secrets in time. I did not need overdue charges on something I did not do. <laughs> so, Rudy, thanks for sharing that with us this morning. That is really, really cool. So, thanks for sharing that. What a, what a, that's just a neat story. But let's. We've got three texts here. Uh, Loren, why don't you start us off with one of our runners-up, who was Brenda. Yeah, uh, they texted to say, I'm a savory cook, not a sweet baker. So when my three-year-old wanted to make cookies, I did my best. We got ready, oven on, pan out, knife out, frozen roll of dough, LOL. (laughs) But then my son says, "Hmm, when do we measure and mix? Oh, uh, we'll make those next time. (laughs) Brenda writes, busted by my kidlet. (laughs) I made croissants just like that the other day. Opened a can, rolled them out. Boom. If they're good. If they're They're good, good. why not? Uh, Greg, Janet also with a great story. Yeah, Janet uh, sent us a beautiful text this morning and uh, this story. I'm self-isolating right now. When I was on day 13, a colleague dropped on my doorstep her homemade professionally decorated cookies. The cookies were in the shape of number 13. Certainly made my day. I wish I had taken a photo, but my family devoured them immediately thanks for that janet <laughs> that is great and uh, but diane is our winner and diane says my son lives in edmonton one summer he asked if i would bake a batch of his favorite chocolate chip cookies catch was he wanted me to take a bite out of one of the cookies and send him a picture of that that christmas he came home and was talking to his cousins about a tattoo he had gotten it was of the cookie with my birth date and name over his heart I started crying immediately. Diane, that is a wonderful text. As always, great text across the board, but that one uh, was particularly heartwarming. And and all three of us very quickly were like, that's our winner. So congratulations. You get the Santa Lucia pizza gift card. And I... I don't know what it is about the cookie. Uh, maybe it's Cam sort of made the point. It's like your first love interest, right? Like I love potato chips and I will eat potato chips. Like if you put chips and dip in front of me, I will eat them until like they, they're gone. If you just keep bringing them back, I'll just keep eating them. But there's something kind of childlike, I guess. Is that what it is about a cookie, Greg? 
I think so. It takes me right to my my Grammy's kitchen when she used to make those chocolate chip cookies and ginger snaps. I can remember the way the kitchen smelt when they were baking. I can remember the anticipation of waiting for them to come out. And then, of course, you have to wait for them to cool. There's an extra step in the anticipation when it comes to the cookies that are made at home because you can't take them right away. So, yeah, all sorts of uh, great memories attached to, to cookies, and it's not just the taste in your mouth. And, Loren, what about you? Oh, I was just thinking of my grandma when you said that. That's I think what that's what happens, and she makes a great ginger snap cookie, but it's not a snap in the traditional sense. It's softer, and, and you try to replicate someone else's recipe on these things that mean something to you. Same with her buns and biscuits and all the rest. I can't do it. Quite honestly, I haven't tried the biscuits because... <laughs> I can't bake, but. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.